Igloo Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee. WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. You're listening to Bulletproof Estate Planning, the show where you gain clarity and understanding about such things as last will and testament, the probate process, trusts, and how not to lose everything you own to the high cost of the nursing home. Now here's your host, Estate Plan Stan. Hey, good day to you. Good day to you on this April the 22nd, 2023. All right, you are listening to Bulletproof Estate Planning with your host, Estate Plan Stan. I'm Stan Prochowski with Prochowski Estate Law, Prochowski Elder Law, located on the square in beautiful downtown Pulaski, Tennessee. Bulletproof Estate Planning is a show where we talk about all things estate planning. We talk about last will and testament. We talk about revocable living trusts, special needs trusts, asset protection trusts, uh, uh, community property trusts. We talk about all kinds of trusts. We also talk about 10 care planning. We, uh, to keep you from going broke in the nursing home. We talk about pre-planning as well as crisis planning. As always on this show, I encourage questions. So this show is all about education on what your options are. So if you have a question, you can call me at 931-363-7222 or go on my website at estateplanstand.com. So that's estateplanstand.com. There you can find my email and ask that way, or you can see my calendar of seminars that are coming up, or you can get my phone number and call me. Always enjoy doing this show here on Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7 in Columbia, Tennessee. And uh, all my episodes are posted as podcasts on the WKOM website. So if you ever miss one or you want to go back and review a topic, it's there for you to do so. All right, first thing I want to go over before I pick up where we left off last week is the seminars coming up, all right? So we had one today, April the 22nd, at the WLX Country Cafe in Lawrenceburg, and what a great crowd, huge attendance. Um, it went very well, a lot of questions. We were there for a while. So uh, uh, that was a good one. Uh, that was a good one. We're going to have another one over there. I'm not sure when, but we, we do the Lawrenceburg uh, WLX radio station, Country Cafe, a um, couple of times, you know, a couple of three times throughout the year. So uh, we'll be there again. But the next one coming up is right here in Columbia for you Murray County folks. We're going to, it's going May the 24th. Now that's a Wednesday. So we're going to do that at one o'clock in the afternoon. There is a, um, a church meeting hall. It's at 405 West 7th Street in Columbia that uh, has invited us up there. And we don't really get our pick of time when that happens. They wanted us to do it at 1 o'clock p.m., so that's when we're going to do it on Wednesday. So if you want to RSVP for that, uh, I appreciate it. We like to have a head count, so we have tables, chairs, and some light refreshments for everybody. But give me a call at my office at Pachowski Estate Law, uh, 931-363-7222. You can talk to Alex, Courtney, or Tammy. And you can tell them you want to RSVP for the Columbia Seminar. They'll make sure you, you know, get the address and all that. And you'll get the, they'll make sure you get a couple email reminders a day or two before that, um, you know, give you the address so you can put it in your GPS and find it that way. Okay. So that's seminars coming up. Uh, I've talked about them before. If you hadn't been to one, you really ought to consider it because 
I get great reviews on my seminars. There are, let me tell you, they are jam packed with fact. You know, don't don't come expecting a, a sales pitch and a free meal. We'll have some <laughs> we'll have some light refreshments there for you. But I know when I give my seminars, I can tell by looking at everybody that their full attention is focused on what I'm talking about. They want to hear this knowledge. They can't get it anywhere else. They can't get it on the internet. They can't get it from Ten Care. Can't get it from the local attorneys because they don't do this kind of stuff. They can't get answers. And that's what we're all about is giving these answers and giving these options. And, of course, if you want to go forward with something, you know, we we do this kind of thing. So it's not, you know, it's a, it's a free educational seminar. I like to focus on the word educational. So give us a call and come to it. We call it Wills, Trusts, and the Nursing Home. And that's what we talk about. We talk about what a will is, what it does and doesn't do, which is what we are talking about right now, last week and this week, on the uh, Bulletproof Estate Planning Show. And we talk about uh, trusts and what they do and what they don't do. And then we talk about how not to go broke in the nursing home. The you know That's a big question for most folks. And there's answers to that question. There is an answer to the question, how not to go broke in the nursing home. It is, you, cannot, you can plan and then not go broke in the nursing home. If you don't plan, they're going to take everything you got. If a, you or a loved one ends up there. So anyway, we talk more about that at the seminar. Call us, 931-363-7222. Get on the RSVP list. And... I'll go over that again at the end of the show. All right, listen. What we have done last week was we started this concept about what is a last will and testament. I talked about it, okay? And when you talk about a last will and testament, you know, you, you know, the whole thing is that the thing takes place at death, okay? A last will and testament, that's what the word testament means, at death. So, you know, it doesn't do anything during life. Uh, but at death, it springs to life, and now it conveys property, and that's all it does. We talked about that last week. That's all it can do is convey property. And so you put in a will where you want your stuff to go. You know, I like to say I coined the phrase stuff, your stuff. Uh, you know, you got real property, you got personal property, you just got, you know, the house is polluted with your stuff. You got money in the bank, you got a tractor in the barn, you got stuff that hooks the tractor, you got a truck, a trailer, um, you, you name it. You got stuff, right? And so you want it to go somewhere. So in a will, you say where your stuff goes. I mean, that can be as simple as saying, I leave everything to my one son. And then you don't have to itemize anything. But, but it can be a little more involved if you want to leave specific things to specific people <clears throat> and then leave the residual to, you know, say my three kids, a, a third, a third, a third. You know, it's just whatever your distribution scheme for the descent and distribution of the will, whatever you want it to be, you put in there. So it does that. But what I started talking about at the end of last week's show was uh, if you have a will, you're going to probate. There is no if ands, or buts about it. It is an absolute legal assurity because if you look up, you know, you can go ahead and Google the definition of the word probate. and It will say it's the proving of a will. So if you have a will, your heirs are going through probate. And I was talking about the cumbersomeness of the probate process. So... You know, and you know, I was go, I was starting to begin to go over the four biggest disadvantages of probate. Why was I going over the four biggest disadvantages? Because, to be honest with you, I can't come up with any advantages of probate. I mean, I thought long and hard about what I could say good about probate, and I can't. If you've ever had probate or been through it yourself with direct experience, or had a loved one who 
went through it or indirectly or like a family member. You know, I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'll venture to say it was not a pleasant experience. It never is. Even if nothing goes wrong with probing. In other words, there's no contest, there's no challenges, there's no convoluted property where you got to deal with insurance companies where you got to jump through all their hoops or stuff like that. Even if there's none of that, it is a hassle at the very least. At the very most, it is a nightmare. I have, I, I think I mentioned about a person that came in to me and just had their head in their hand and on my table and just said, please take this off my hands. It's been the worst experience I've ever gone through. And it is, or it can be. Now, those are all over the board, some worse than others, but more often than not, it's not fun. And that's what you put your heirs through if you have a will. So at the end of the day, if you make an informed decision, decide you want a will, that's great. We'll write a will for you. I just want to make sure you know that if you write a will, you got to know what goes with it, right? So people come in every now and then and say, I want to write a will and I want to make sure, make sure my kids stay out of probate. I say, well, I'm good, but I'm not that good. I cannot accomplish that as a legal impossibility. And so uh, we talked last week as to why it has to go through, why that triggers the probate code and why you're going, they're going to end up in probate. So if you want to avoid probate, which I think is something worth avoiding, and as I finish talking about the disadvantages, I'm willing to bet you will agree with me that it is definitely worth avoiding. Um, so, you know, that the solution to that is something else. That's a trust, and we'll get to that in the due course of time. So, okay, we're talking about these four big disadvantages. There's a couple more than four, but these are the biggies, okay? And the first one we talked about was it takes a long time. I'm just going to briefly recap this. And I do. I will say that uh, I talk when I talk about probate at my seminars. I put up a slide, and it's this convoluted piping diagram. You know, it twists and turns, comes back on itself. Got valves, restrictions on it. it just it, re- it demonstrates a torturous path, right? And that's probate, and it takes a long time from beginning to end. You know, these statistics are all over the place, but the statistically that, that I can find, it takes anywhere from twelve to sixteen months. And, hey, we're a probate-friendly state, if you can believe that. You know, and we talked about why it takes that long. You know, creditors' rights are open for 12 months after death, and you can't even close an estate before the right, their rights have expired. So uh, just stuff like that. But it takes a long time. All right, now, so what we were leading up to at the end of the last show is the second big disadvantage of a probate, and that is, is the cost. <clears throat> I mean— these statistics are all over the place. It's hard to get statistics on cost, and I can't really tell you what the average cost is going to be. I can just tell you what I, you know, when I used to do probate, I talked last week, and I don't do probate anymore. You know, and, and it, 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 it's um, it's funny because I get calls all the time of people say, "Hey, so and so passed away. Can you do their probate?" And I say, "I don't do probate." And they say, "Well, you, what do you mean you don't do probate? You talk about it all the time." And I say, "No, I talk about probate avoidance all the time." I used to do probate. My office used to do it. It got so cumbersome for us. It it just sucked up my office resources, and it's, the case is open for year for uh, months and months and months, over a year to a year and a half. And then people always call and say, "What's taking so long?" And I try to say, "Remember that conversation we had in the beginning where I told you this would take a year," which they forget. And so you know they're not happy, and it's you know tension, and uh, it's a lot of effort sometimes. And I just it's just not fun. The trust writing and planning I do is fun, and I like doing it. I always say, 
you know, I have a motto. If you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. So um, we don't have fun doing probate, so we're not going to do that anymore. But that's, that's why we avoid it. It's, it is not a fun thing. All right, so the cost of it. Let's talk about the cost. The, the, the statistics that I see are anywhere from 5 to 10% of the estate. Now, that's a lot of money. Now, I don't, I, even when we did probate, I don't quite see it that high. We used to see them in the 6 to 8 range, okay? 6% to 8%. But still, I mean, you know what your estate is worth. You can do the math and figure up what 6 to 8% of it is, all right? You can use 10% as a number because it's easy to use in your head. But, you know, you're, talk, you're trying to talk about some real money because, you know, it, no, not many people pass away with, less than a $100,000 estate. I mean, you might think you don't own much, but if you sit down and put paper to pencil, you'd be surprised. You have a lot. You know, if you have any land, if you, own, if you have a house at all, I mean, you're definitely above that. So, like I said, we usually see it in the six to eight range. So, um, now, the reason it gets to be this costly is on this convoluted slide I show at the seminars of this piping diagram, I list all the different players not all of them necessarily, but a lot of the typical ones that are there involved in this process that get paid. So there's fees that are associated with probate. One is court filing fees. One is attorney's fees. I mean, typically there's always an estate attorney. And when I used to get hired um, to do probate, that's the role I filled. I would represent the executor and the will, and I was considered the estate attorney. Okay, And I would guide the executor through this this process of probate that is riddled with duties, deadlines, and obligations, right? And make sure we got everything in when we did, you know, in time and got to all the different heirs and we noticed everybody up, gave everybody their 30 days to complain about something or file an objection and on and on and on. So now, to, to give you an idea of cost, uh, there's other there's other, there's other uh, players to get paid like uh, – you can have his executor fees, or the executor may have to post a bond. If there's any real estate that has to go, any real property, the probate court's always going to have that appraised. So you're going to have appraisal fees, which are not cheap anymore. <clears throat> if you have any creditors, you know, who throw their hat in the ring and say, the deceased owes me money, you know, you got to deal with that. If anyone launches a challenge, there's going to be huge fees associated with that. So the cost, you know, that's how it gets up to this um, 6 to 8% that we see. I've seen them. I've seen probate costs where the attorney's fees alone were twenty and thirty thousand dollars. Now let me get, let me tell you something that can kind of put the cost in perspective. All right, and that is when I used to do probate. Now, I haven't done it for years, and so don't call me and tell me to do probate. I'll give you a referral. But when I used to do probate as an attorney, I'm allowed to cap my fee three to five percent of the estate. Okay, now. I'm allowed to charge three to five percent, which is which is typically considered reasonable. Now, what I used to do is I would always cap my fee. I would cap it, and I do that to myself. That was intentional capping of my own will and volition. I would always cap my fee at no more than five thousand dollars, and that re- that represents five percent of a one hundred thousand dollar estate. Now, it's not hard to have a hundred thousand dollar estate. Okay, if you have something less than that, you're borderline indigent. I mean, it. it if you have any land at all and a car or two, I mean, you've got, you know, you have worth of $100,000. Now, 
Now, most people are, you know, in the, I don't know, three, five, six, seven range, um, $100,000 of, of assets. I don't charge that percentage of the estate if it's 500000 or if it's 100000 And the reason I don't is because I know what I'm going to do in any and every estate. And if I have a $100,000 estate, in a $300,000 state, I know the difference of what I'm going to do as an attorney between the two of those is minuscule. It is de minimis. Very little different. And so I don't feel comfortable charging that percentage for every 100000 like that. You know, the difference would be triple, right? Whatever I charge, if I charge $5,000 for a $100,000 state, I'd charge 15000 for a $300,000 state. And I don't do that. I, I cap it at five unless there's some reason in there why I wouldn't. You know, I had one once where they had several pieces of property down in the Cayman Islands, and we had to jump through foreign jurisdiction hoops and stuff like that. Okay, those, are, those aren't typical, and I'm going to spend a fair amount of extra time dealing with those, and so we, we charge for that. So, But you get the idea. If you go to any other attorney, they're going to charge what they're allowed to charge. I guarantee it. I just guarantee it. I think I'm the only one that capped it. Now, you may say, well, why would I do that? I'm shooting myself in the foot. Well, I do that for my own personal reasons. I got to sleep at night. Um, I, you know, I always have felt like being an attorney can be a noble and, and, uh, honest profession if you conduct yourself right. And I feel that I'm conducting myself right if I get reimbursed for what I do. So if it's a big estate, I really don't do much more. So I'm happy. Okay. I mean, I'm happy either way. So, but the point I'm trying to make is if your kids come to me and say, Hey, mom and dad died, will you probate the state? And they hire me. They're into this thing $5,000 right off the bat, and I'm only one player, right? So I'm putting this in perspective. So, you know, some of my most expensive trusts are in the $5,000 range, the ones with a lot of bells and whistles, right? Uh, so, you know, really, the trust is a, it's a probate avoidance technique, and you can get there. So you're going to be into it more in, in probate than you think, and you're going to be into it more than if you had a trust. So, uh, or they are come the probate uh, process after death. All right. All right. So that puts it in perspective. Now, now when we talk about the cost of probate, I want to be clear about something. Uh, the, the cost of probate is not something that you have to pay out of your pocket, meaning you, the, the person who wrote the will. Your heirs are in probate. They're probating your will. It is not an out-of-pocket expense to you. Okay. Why? Well, it, it's not a trick question. I mean, you're not here to pay it, right? I mean, you're gone. You have deceased. Now, this is, but it's an indirect cost, right? I mean, probate. There's a cost that comes out of your estate that is money that does not go to your heirs, right? You know, so I mean, you don't have to write a check for the probate fees because, you know, like I said, you're not here. But all those estate expenses that I talk about, they all come out of the estate, and that makes it so that there's less and less for the kids or for your heirs to get, okay? All right, so that's the second big disadvantage. The first one is it takes a long time. The second one is it uh, it can get pretty costly. I mean, I had an estate one time where there was a challenge, and, uh, you know, attorney's fees were way up there. So a long time and cost. All right, we're coming up on break number one, so we will be right back after this. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to 
I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Parks Motor Sales was founded by my granddad, Bobby Parks, and my great-granddad, Julian Mays, in 1958. We've been family-owned the whole time, and being family-owned, locally-owned, means you get to get your next vehicle or your existing vehicle serviced by the same people who stand in the grocery line with you, drop their kids off at the same school you do, and smile and are happy to see you when they do. So come see us at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, on 919 Nashville Highway or ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. Hi, this is Steve, the Garbage Man. Y'all have heard me talk in the past about Packer, our mascot dog. Well, I have some sad news about Packer. She recently crossed over the Rainbow Bridge to join our other beloved pets of the past. Packer lived out her final days on our farm in Water Valley. She had a great 14 years of life after being rescued by Don from being thrown away as a pup in someone's garbage. Rest in peace, Packer. Hi, this is Dr. Wendy Tui from the Dr. Gill Center. Are you suffering from knee pain despite trying usual medications and injections? If this is you, I have great news. Most common causes of knee pain are degeneration due to aging, injury, or repeated stress. In our office, we offer decompression for the knee, which increases range of motion and decreases pain in arthritic and degenerative knees. Studies have shown that this type of mechanical traction can be more effective than conventional methods alone. Initial exam and x-rays, $39. Call mepainfree.com or 615-551-9224. People often ask about the initials after mine and Monty's names. Those initials are CFP, Certified Financial Planner. As a CFP, we will do our best to help you in the attainment of your financial goals while protecting those assets with proper insurance coverage. We encourage the team approach of holistic financial planning by working alongside your CPA and attorney. This is Gay Pike with Caledonian Financial in historic downtown Columbia. Let's make a plan. Securities and investment advisory services offered through NBC Securities Incorporated. Member FINRA and SIPC. Front Porch Radio is Southern Middle Tennessee's home for the best in news, talk, and sports. Missed out on any favorite Front Porch programs? Check us out online at frontporchradiotn.com to download episodes of your favorite podcast. Listen live or listen online. Search for it on your favorite podcast app. iTunes, Spotify, Google, and Amazon Alexa. Join us on the porch, frontporchradiotn.com. This is Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee. All right. Hey, welcome back from the break. Welcome back to Bulletproof Estate Planning. I'm your host, Estate Plan Stand, and we're going to pick up where we left off. Um, I like listening to my theme song. Maybe I'll just play it one of these days. It's a 
the, the song uh, Turn, Turn, Turn by the Birds. And I like it because the words in that song come right out of the book of Ecclesiastes in your scriptures. And they talk about a time to every season. And there is. And so when we talk about estate planning, you know, there's a time to that season as well because, you know, the, everybody has the same inevitable conclusion to their life. Uh, if you don't believe me, you're in denial. <laughs> or if you don't believe me, you are supernatural. So, and God bless you for that. Anyway, all right, so we're picking up on where we left off. We're talking about disadvantages of probate. And we talked about it takes a long time. I finished up saying that it, it can get expensive. It can be costly, okay? And it certainly can exceed the cost of doing an alternative that avoids probate. So, all right, another big disadvantage of probate that that I don't like, and I think this is probably because I used to practice a lot of criminal defense work. You know, remember I told you in that first episode that I, you know, I, I was a criminal defense attorney for, I don't know, 10 years. And um, tried a lot of cases. And, you know, when you're a criminal defense attorney, you deal with that element of people, right? Or you're exposed to that element. And um, one of the things I don't like about probate is the fact that everything in, in probate, every single thing about probate is 100% and totally public. Okay? That bothers me. Other folks say, well, that don't, not, not so much. I, I don't much care about that. But your will is published in the probate court file, and anyone can see it. I mean, if you want to take a look at a probate estate, I mean, you know, when I want to see one, I send Alex here over to the courthouse to sign it out for me. Now, you're not going to be able to sign it out because, you know, like like a member of the bar can, but but you can ask to see it, and the clerk and master there has to show it to you by procedure. I mean, there, there's and there's a copy machine right there, so if you want to make copies, have at it. So, you know, if it's let's say it's my estate, and you want to see it, you walk over there and you say, can you walk over um, in um, Murray County there and go to Kelly and say, I'd like to see the estate of Stan Prochowski. Okay, she has to show it to you. You open it up and there's my will, my original will. And you can read it. and You can see where I'm, I said all my stuff is supposed to go. Now, that bothers me. It's like I said, some people, not so much. But I mean, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but if you don't think there's people out there that take advantage of stuff like that, I mean, you know, I'm sorry to say there are. They are a, a very creative bunch of people. And, you know, do you really want a bunch of people knowing, or especially some con artists, knowing that your 18-year-old son's going to get a large inheritance? I don't. And the reasons are obvious, right? Well, you know, I would like it to be private. But it's not. If you're in pro, if you're in probate, it is public by definition. Now it's not like it's not like we blurt it all out just to be that way. I mean, the procedure makes it public. I mean, everything about our juris, American jurisprudence system is public. I mean, the only sealed things I know of are in juvenile court, right? I mean, sometimes you have these gag orders, but it means that's a little different. But still, um, so you know, if you want to see a, a probate estate, you can go pull, take a look. You know, it's public by procedure. Now, a lot of times I used to say on my, sometimes on my seminars, <laughs> when I have a PowerPoint that I'm doing, I, you know, people will look at me like, I can't believe that's public. I just can't believe it. And I'll say, well, if you don't believe me, and I hit my little clicker button on my thing, and I pull up the last will and testament of Jackie Kennedy Onassis, okay? <laughs> I got a copy of all the greats, okay? I, I got John Lennon. I got Jerry Garcia, uh, Jackie Kennedy Onassis. I've got uh, 
wills of a lot of celebrities. And I just pull them up. And why? Because they're public. It's a will. It's in probate. It has to be public. You know, so, you know, that's a big disadvantage. So, uh, you know, again, you don't want your, anybody to know your kids are inheriting a large amount of money. You know. All right. So, uh, public is the third big disadvantage in my mind. That brings us to the fourth one. The fourth one is, and this is the biggest one, and I want to tell you, this, this, this is what sort of got me into the estate planning business in the first place. <clears throat> the fourth one is like this. When you look at my slide that shows this convoluted, torturous pipe path, and you look at this up in this upper left-hand corner, the probate process begins in the lower right-hand corner, it ends, you go through this whole torturous path. When you finally get to the end, it's called the distribution phase. Meaning, that's when you start distributing the property. Okay, everybody's been paid. You know, all those players I named before have already gotten paid. You know, appraisals have been done. The court's been paid. The attorneys have been paid. Guardian ad litem, if you've got minor children, has been paid. Bonds have been paid. You name it. You pay it. Okay, now you get to the residual. You're going to distribute what's left in the estate. And now you're going to distribute to the people in the will. And so, when you distribute it to them... It becomes theirs. It's called an outright distribution. Outright, meaning there's no terms or conditions or strings attached. Once you give it to them, it's theirs. They own it. <clears throat> they can do whatever they want with it. And that's kind of a problem for me. Um, you know, Because this outright distribution, it's given directly to the beneficiary. Like I say, ownership is complete. Now, what if you wanted to put strings attached to it or conditions? In other words, you might ask the question, well, why would I want to condition it, Stan? I mean, if I want to leave it to my kids a third each, why would I want to put conditions on it? Well, I'm telling you what, I could fill up about three podcasts nonstop of all the reasons why people come in and talk to me and say why they would want to put terms and conditions on it. Usually we want to fix a problem, right? And I'm going to talk about some of those problems. Now, here's a, here's a good example. When you, when you give property to somebody in an outright distribution, and like I said, ownership is complete, once it's theirs, you can't now dictate to them how it can be used. So you can't put in your will, I'm going to leave you my house, but I don't ever want you to let the Jones, our neighbors, over on the land or anything like that. And I don't want you to be friends with them. Or you can say, I don't want you to ever build another house on here. Or I'm going to leave you my land, but I don't ever want you to sell it to anybody. Okay? Now, they may do what you want or not do what you want, just out of love or respect. But they, there's no assurance of that. I mean, that is an unenforceable promise in a will. It, the court will give it no weight. Once you deed the property to the heir, he owns it. You know, a lot of people say, well, put in a will. I'm going to leave it to my son. When he's done with it, I want to leave it to his son. Uh, doesn't work. Uh, you can't control. I mean, when, you, when it becomes your son's, what if he wants to sell it? He, he owns it. Why can't he sell it? Now, there's a way to do that. There's a way to leave it and make it so they can't sell it. But it's not a will. It's not probate. Okay. So that's what makes this a big disadvantage. You know, let me just go over a couple of things. What if your kids are minors? Your kids are less than 18, right? In Tennessee, a child can't get their inheritance until they're an adult. 
It's not that they don't inherit. They just can't get their hands on it until they become 18. This is our Uniform Gift to Minors Act, right? Now, what happens is their inheritance has to be placed in the control of a financial guardian, which is a court-appointed financial guardian. And when you have a child, let's say, you know, if they're almost 18 or 17, not that big a deal. But if they're like 10 and they have this financial guardian, you're going to have this financial guardian overseeing their inheritance for eight years. That's a long time. Now, when that happens, the financial guardian gets to charge his normal hourly rate, which can be kind of high. You know, I don't charge by the hour anymore. Uh, I charge, you know, usually flat fees when we do the trust plans and our 10 care planning. But when I did charge by the hour, my fee was $350 an hour. Okay, so uh, somebody might charge more than that. Somebody might charge less. But it's a lot. So that this financial guardian gets to charge it. And that's going to be a great expense to that heir with an outright distribution. Now, sometimes if there's a parent available, you can leave with them. But, I mean, it usually would be if the parents are estranged, right? Because if you're husband and wife, when this happens, and you're the first death, the kid doesn't inherit yet. They don't inherit till the second death, right? And then you got to leave it with somebody. So there's no parents to leave it with. But you could, you, know, you may leave it with another sibling that's not going to be charging uh, an hourly rate. You may want to compensate that child for doing it, but anyway, you get the idea. But it, it can be very expensive if you have minor children to have somebody control this before they can get it. What if you have a special needs child? I mean, if you've got a special needs child, you know what I'm talking about. Those folks have to qualify for disability benefits, and they can only qualify if they don't own much. I mean, it's a needs-based system, right? And if they own too much property, they don't get the benefits. So if you, and it's, it takes an, you know, like an act of Congress to get somebody qualified for SSI, the uh, uh, supplemental income, so you know, su- supplemental security income, right? And once you get them qualified, if you leave them an inheritance, now they own too much because you know what they can own is like two thousand dollars. We'll do a special needs section here in quite a few weeks to come. We'll hone in on some specialties like that, but just as a pre- <clears throat> just as a preview. A special needs child, if a special needs child owns less than $2,000, they'll qualify, or they'll at least resource qualify. And once they're qualified, they get the benefit. Right now, it's like 914 bucks a month, and we don't want to disturb that. So if Aunt Gertrude dies and leaves your child $10,000, it's like, whammo. All of us, at no fault of the child's, all of a sudden, he's got $10,000. They still have that money in the bank account by the, the first day of the next calendar month. That is going to trigger in, in, ineligibility for the SSI benefits. And it was hard enough to get the first time. The last thing you want to do is trigger a loss of it, have to spend all this money, and then reapply. Again, you don't want to have to do that. So if you have a special needs trust, we want to leave it. We can't just have go with outright distribution for that very reason. It'll, it'll cause a, a loss of benefits. So we want to leave that to them in, in a special needs trust, okay? <clears throat> what if you've got a child that's a spendthrift? You know, just somebody that's not financially responsible. Somebody that, you know, you know, uh, you know, yeah, you, you know, you got a kid that just blows money, goes through money like water, right? And you're thinking, you know, I'm going to leave my child an inheritance, but I don't want him to blow it on stuff. You know, I know he's just going to go, hey, jacked up truck, you know, big party, hey, and blow it. And I don't want that. I mean, I want it to be a good start for him. I want it to be something like a down payment on a home, or I want it to be, uh, you know, him starting his own business, you know, or maybe I want it to be a college or a post-secondary education or something like that. 
a good start is what we have in mind, most of us. And so if you've got a, somebody that's not responsible, then you, you just leave it to them, they're going to blow it. So there's all kinds of things we can do to protect that. I mean, it can be as simple as giving them some at a certain age, like 25, give them another third at 30 years old and another third at 35. And you can take the approach, well, if you're not financially responsible by, by then, you're probably not going to be, right? Or you can protect it, leave it with somebody else to give to him for reasons you want it spent on. We'll get more into that when we talk about trust, because that's what a trust can do. <laughs> what if a child has a drug or alcohol problem? Now, the reason I bring that up is because we see it a lot, right? And it's a good example. So a parent says, you know, gosh, I love my child, and I want to leave him my, some inheritance, but I don't want to fund this conduct that I disapprove of. Um, I don't, I don't want my inheritance going up their nose, or worse yet, you don't want if you leave them an inheritance like you know cut that person a check for fifty thousand dollars, you know where it's going right if they have an active drug or alcohol problem, <clears throat> you know where it's going, and you don't want to be the instrument of their destruction. But you have no choice in probate because when you give it to them, it is an outright distribution. So if you're in probate, your only choice is to disinherit right. Now, that's harsh, too. You think, I love my child. I don't want to disinherit them. I just don't want them to kill themselves with the money I give them. I mean, that's a reasonable request of a parent, don't you think? I think so. But it puts the parent in a rock and a hard spot when you're in probate. The only way to keep from him blowing this up his nose and killing himself is to disinherit him. Because there's no other, all I can do is leave it to him, and I don't want to do that. <clears throat> so that's a problem. Now, you can do a testamentary trust. I'll talk about that. Not my favorite thing to do, and we'll talk about why, but uh, it's just not, I don't want to confuse the issue now. So, I mean, again, like you said, if you leave them this inheritance, that's what they're going to end up doing. So it, create, you know, it creates these two, these two issues. First, the inheritance is most likely going to be wasted on the addiction. And second of all, if it is wasted on the addiction, it's going to make the addiction worse. So, I mean... You really get the worst of all worlds. So the most well-meaning parent who wants to help their child, you know, ends up getting the worst possible outcome. So wouldn't it be better for the inheritance to be used on rehabilitation? I mean, then they could enjoy the rest of it responsibly, right? You, anyway, you get where I'm going. It's a good example of how to put controls and uh, strings attached. You know, if you let's say you want them to go to college. I mean, you could be you could be real definitive and real. Um, a little bit harsh, I guess, but a little straightforward and say, here's $50,000. If you go to college, you can have it and you can use it to spend on college. If you don't go to college, you don't get it. Now, that's a, that's a do or don't, right? I mean, you could soften that and say, you know, if you, if you do pursue higher education or what we call post-secondary school education, something after high school, you can have this money. And that might be, you know, that means college. It means a trade school. It means any form of higher education. And the goal is clear, you know, in the further your career, your knowledge base, so you can go out and get a good job and not be stuck with, you know, uh, something average. Uh, so, I, you know, you can, that's a string you can attach to it. It's a condition. And what it also can do is incentivize. It can incentivize this, uh, the inheritance. You know, you can say, listen, I got money, I'm going to leave you. But I really, really would like you to do this. So here's an incentive. If you'll do this for me, here's the incentive. Here's the carrot on the stick. You'll get the inheritance. 
Sound interesting? It is. <laughs> um, you know, so there's all kind of things. I mean, I, I really don't have enough time in one show to talk about them all. There's all kind of things you may want to come up with. The best way to look at it is what, what are you trying to solve with your own kids? You know your family dynamics better than anyone. So what problems do your kids have that you want to help solve? Now, every now and then I got somebody who comes in, oh, my kids are all perfect. They're all pristine. They're all responsible. They're all great. I don't mind leaving them outright, an outright distribution. Well, if, if your kids are like that, God bless you. I mean, you're going to be the only one as far as I know. Um, we all have issues with them. but <clears throat> And we they all have issues, some of them issues that haven't happened yet. Looking in the future, you know, maybe none of my three kids have an alcohol or drug problem. But 10 years from now, they might. <clears throat> now, if they do, I want an instrument that's going to be able to deal with that, right? And the, 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 the will and probate is not it. What if, this is a biggie. People bring this up all the time. What if your child gets a divorce? We can do something in a trust called divorce-proofing it, okay? Do, I mean, do you want your child's divorcing spouse to walk away with half of their inheritance. I sure don't. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't want that to happen. You know, I can, you know, I have three children. Only one of them's married. And it's been married for seven years or so. It's, so it's relatively early, but I mean, so far so good. I like my son-in-law. He's a good guy. Um, but the question is, you know, everybody's in love when they get married, right? I mean, that's the way it works. Uh, or it's supposed to work. I mean, what, what about 20 years from now? I mean, I don't know. But if they decide to get divorced, I know for a fact that uh, they are now adversaries under the law, right? And if he, you know, if, if she gets an outright distribution, so she gets a $50,000 check and she puts it in the joint bank account, when they get divorced, he's walking away with half of it. I don't want that. I don't even care if my daughter's at fault for the marriage. She's my daughter. I'm going to stand beside her and defend her and I don't want her adversarial divorcing spouse walking away with half the inheritance I leave my daughter. That would infuriate me. So I leave it to her in a format where it always remains separate property. It's no not exposed to the jurisdiction of the court who can, of the divorce court who can only distribute marital property. So I want to control it. That's a string that we attach often. We get that question a lot. So, all right, listen, that brings us right up on break number two. So, hey, we're going to go over some more of this probate process. Stay here with me here on Bulletproof Estate Planning. I'm your host, Estate Plan Stan. And right after the break, we will continue. See you in a bit. Do you have a loved one who's either in long-term care or going to be soon? Are you worried about losing everything you own, everything that you've worked for your entire life? If so, we can still do crisis planning and protect the majority of your property. If you have a loved one in this situation, call me, Estate Plan Stan at Prochowski Estate Law. From a little information, I will generate a written report explaining how much property we can protect. Don't go broke just because you require long-term care. Call me, 931-363-7222. Are you looking for 
a fun event to take the family to, Harmon Scrap Metal is hosting an Easter egg hunt on April 8th from 2 to 4 p.m. at Woodland Park in the Fallen Heroes Shelter. This will be fun for the whole family. We will have food trucks, prizes, and photos with the Easter Bunny. Come on out and support local. Start times vary by age. Visit our Facebook page, Harmon Scrap Metal, for more information. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, you can count on us. We know that Jeep owners are one of a kind. Choose from our huge inventory or build your own one-of-a-kind Jeep from the ground up. Stop by today and one of our product specialists will help you customize the Jeep you want. Wrangler, Grand Cherokee, and Grand Wagoneer in the perfect color. Gotta have them options, powertrain, and more. And now, take advantage of the Jeep Wave program. More free maintenance at no additional cost. Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, you can count on us. Online at ColumbiaCDJR.com. Hello, this is Rick Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. What is a full-service jeweler? Experienced staff, custom designers, in-house jewelry repairs, and beautiful jewelry. Yes, at Tillis Jewelry, we are passionate, knowledgeable, and committed to integrity. We strive to be the best in our community and in our profession. We build long-term relationships and become part of family traditions that will cross generations. We delight clients by providing an unparalleled selection, superior service, and exceptional value. Tillis Jewelry, we exceed your expectations. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, Jimmy Elliott for Columbia Ace Hardware. I want to invite you to the grand opening of our garden center, Saturday, April 29th. Come check out our great selection of fruit trees, hanging baskets, ferns, and garden plants. We'll have those things you need to get your garden growing. There'll be lots of activity that day, grilling demos from our Big Green Egg and Traeger experts, free giveaways with your garden center purchase, and Bree's homemade ice cream will be there to take care of your sweet tooth. The doors open at 8 a.m., 112 East James Campbell. Columbia Ace, the helpful place. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years' experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. This is Coach Mike, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia, Tennessee. All right. Hey, welcome back from the break. You are listening to Bulletproof Estate Planning. I am your host, Estate Plan Stan. And we have been talking about this probate process. And I told you I was going to tell you about the four biggest disadvantages of probate. And I have, and we're talking about the last one, the outright distribution, where when you leave it to your kids, 
when you leave the your stuff, your money, your property, you just give it to them. The probate court just distributes it to them outright, meaning there's no terms and conditions on it. There's no strings attached. And so the question comes up, well, what strings and strings or terms and conditions would I want to attach? And the list is roughly endless, but I was going over a few. and just got another couple of three to go over. Uh, I was telling the story about divorce-proofing it, okay? This happens a lot. I mean, I can tell you a story about, I remember a couple came in, sat down at my conference table, and we were talking about, you know, and the gal sat there, and she pointed at me, and she said, you know, we have an only son, and we have this business. I want to leave everything to my only son, but I'm going to tell you right now, I do not want that, you know what, gold-digging wife of his to get a dime, okay? <laughs> and, you know, and she said that, you know, it sounds funny, but I, I get it. I understand what she's going for. And, you know, in all honesty, I don't blame her. I do not blame her. And so I told her, absolutely, we can divorce-proof it. You don't want her to get any? I can draft this thing to make sure that she doesn't get a dime. Now, some people say they want their in-law to get some inheritance. And you can do that. You just have to say it in the instrument. Nothing happens automatically with an in-law. Some things do happen automatically with descendants, but not with in-laws. But you can, you know, if it was the exact opposite, you know, and sometimes somebody will say, you know, if my son passes away, I would like his inheritance to go to his, his wife. And we can do that, okay? We'd, it's whatever you want. But a lot of people are worried about divorce-proofing the property. They don't want their inheritance to go, half of it go away when somebody divorces their child. And we can divorce-proof. Now, what, what if your kids have any creditors or lawsuits going on? Suppose one of your kids is an entrepreneur and gets themselves in a little bit of debt, or suppose your kid goes into a high-risk profession like, you know, law, medicine, real estate, nursing. I mean, you know, there's a pretty big handful of of, of, of um, careers you can get into where they, you can get sued at the drop of a hat, right? We call them high-risk professions. I mean, it you know, you just sue for the, sec, for the fun of it most of the time. So if they're in that, you know, you want to protect your inheritance from being consumed by those lawsuits or being consumed by those creditors. I mean, again, if my son is an entrepreneur – and he racks up some debt. You know, I have one son that's in construction. And if he likes to buy machinery and stuff and rack up some debt, that's great. I don't really want my inheritance paying off his debt, though. You know, I'd rather go for, like I said before, a good start. Something like that. And, uh, you know, if you just give him an outright distribution in probate, you can't control any of it. Any of it. There is no protection. So, you know, personally, I want my kids to get the use of their inheritance for what I call a good start. Like I said, college education, down payment on a home, starting their own business. You know, the kind of things that financially cripple young adults and young couples. I mean, that's what I want, okay? And remember something that I said earlier, that any planning that you do now, during life, you really don't do it for yourself. I mean, you, you except for our asset protection planning that we'll talk about later, where you try to keep from going broke in a nursing home. That is something you do uh, to help you, but... For this revocable living trust we're going to talk about or writing a will, if you do any planning, you don't really do it for yourself. You do it for the people you love, right? You don't want to put them through this nightmare of probate. So, you know, we're going to talk, you know, we're soon about to talk about probate avoidance techniques. Don't know if I'll get to them in tonight's show, but I'm going to finish up this concept of of a a will and probate uh, by stepping a little bit outside the box here and say there are some common techniques that people use to avoid probate. <clears throat> and they work. Uh, they're not always the best choice, but 
sometimes folks ask about other ways to avoid probate, like joint ownership of property. So, so now here in Tennessee, if you're a husband and wife and you own your property jointly as tenants by the entirety with the right of survivorship, which is the default in Tennessee for husband and wife, even if it doesn't say those words. What that means is at the first death, the first of you to pass away, ownership of the property instantly vests with a survivor. Doesn't have to go through probate. It passes by survivorship. So that piece of property will avoid probate at the first death. <clears throat> right? Because at the first death, it passes to the survivor. Now, because it passes by right of survivorship, that's why it doesn't go through probate. But unfortunately, at the second death, see, now the survivor owns it. They own it in their individual capacity. And what happens when you pass away owning property in your name? Yep. Well, it must go through probate because now the spouse died owning it in their name, right? So remember that definition I told you to memorize. If you die with property in your name, it must, by legal definition, pass through probate. Now, another uh, another is anything that's beneficiary-driven. That's another probate avoidance technique, like life insurance or CD accounts. Or um, you know, if you have life insurance and something happens to you, you know, the life insurance is going to cut a check and pay the beneficiary. I mean, they're not going to contact the court and say, "Hey, is it okay if we distribute this? Is there a probate estate open?" They don't care. They got a contract to pay. They have a contractual duty to pay, and they're going to pay the beneficiaries, you know, whether there's probate or not. So again, you know, if you have a kid that you're worried about blowing money and he gets a hundred thousand dollar life insurance benefit, death benefit, you know, you might call your kid and say, "Hey, look, my kid's got, you know, he'll just blow this money, you know, uh, the policy. Uh, if if you want to get, can you don't give it to him all at one time? Can you meter it out over a little bit of time, or just, you know, give it to him if he's going to college or uh, that sort of thing. You know, the insurance company is going to say, uh, <laughs> they're going to say, you know, hey, look, buddy, we got a contractual obligation to pay, and that's what we're going to do. So sorry about your kid. Sorry about you having trouble with your kid, but we're going to pay because that's what we do. All right. Um, you know, I actually know an insurance company that, that told one of my clients that. So, you know, if you're worried about it, you know, there's ways to fix that. You know, there is a way that we can fix that. So, all right, um, this joint ownership, some people do that with bank accounts sometimes. They say, well, I put my kids on my bank account, so when I pass away, they're a co-owner, so when I pass away, it's all theirs. Well, that is a probate avoidance technique, and that will avoid probate. But as an attorney, I'd have to advise you that there is risk there. I mean, you're putting a lot of, it's all your money, and you're putting a lot of trust in your child. Now, you might say, well, my child's responsible. He would never take my money. And you may be right. He may never do that. What you can't control is when your child marries somebody, okay? And the spouse says, hey, take that money out of there. And now he's in a rock and a hard spot to keep the, you know, keep the marriage going but not take dad's money. So now you, that's, what, that's what you, it's not your kids you worry about as much as you do as these variables that come in that we have no control over, right? So those are some common techniques that people use. They, they can work if you do them right. And we use them sometimes when it's necessary. But they're not always the best choice. So, all right, listen, next week, we're, we're, this brings us to the end of the show. Uh, I've got a few, just a minute or two left. Uh, I'm going to start talking about the Revocable Living Trust, which is a 100% probate avoidance tool. So, so I'm about out of time. So listen, if you what, what you heard this week, if that's piqued your interest and you know got your thought process going, I'm glad. I'm glad. My mission is to get the message out that when it comes to estate planning, you have got options. You have got lots of options. 
So if you have any questions about your own uh, family circumstances, hey, I'm more than happy to take the time to answer. Call my office at Prochowski Estate Law, Prochowski Elder Law at 931-363-7222 or go to my website at estateplanstand.com and set up one of my 15-minute phone calls. That way my time and attention is dedicated to your questions. The seminar coming up is May the 24th. It's a Wednesday at 1 p.m. at 405 West 7th Street in Columbia. Will's Trust in a Nursing Home. Call us and RSVP for that. So, all right, listen. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy the show as much as I enjoy doing it. Uh, uh, I'll be back here on Front Porch Radio at uh, 7 o'clock next Saturday night for Bulletproof Estate Planning. And I am Estate Plan Stan. I'll see you next week. Murray County Volunteer Firefighters provide fire and rescue services to Murray County residents like you. I'm Savannah Madison, Public Information Officer with Murray County Fire. Our department serves over 600 square miles, and as a volunteer department, we rely on community donations to operate. You can also support by joining our department. We help you obtain the certifications to become a support member or firefighter. Learn more about making a tax-deductible donation or becoming a firefighter at murraycountyfiretn.org. That's murraycountyfiretn.org. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Throughout the country, buried pipelines are indicated by a pipeline right-of-way. A long, wide stretch of grass cleared of trees and marked with signs. If you have a right-of-way near your home, do not plant anything in it or dig in it. Do not install a fence or build your kids a super cool fort without first getting the pipeline operator's approval. For more on pipeline safety, visit pipesafety.org. A message from the Tennessee Gas Association, Tennessee Association of Broadcasters, and this station. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is T. Willie. It is that time of week. I've got Miles Johnson on the phone from Foodland. Miles, how are you doing today? 
I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. You always have some great specials for us. So what do you got for us this week? Well, this week we have T-bone steaks, four ninety nine a pound. Bomas pork chop, family packs, two ninety nine a pound. Green cabbage, fifty nine cents a pound. Twenty four pack Deer Park spring water, two for ten, and Coca Cola six packs, three for ten dollars. Fantastic, and these run all the way through next Tuesday. Uh, and I know you're open seven. 7-